The truth can be ugly. But as a tax-paying citizen, you have the right to know what is happening in your government. For your ticket to the undisclosed news, stories, and information ignored by big media, this is Backroom Access with your host, Jeff Kaysen. Jeff Kaysen. Hello, friends and patriots. Welcome to this week's episode of Backroom Access. I'm Jeff Kaysen, your host, and I'm glad you stopped by today. This week's episode of Backroom Access is presented by Texas Scorecard. I want to invite you to check out their website at texasscorecard.com where you'll find an excellent lineup of weekly productions. Well, in this episode, number 53, we have a conversation with newly elected Tarrant County Judge Tim O'Hare. We want to ask him about his legislative priorities at the Commissioner's Court, and most specifically to ask what he has accomplished in his first 90 days. Now it's time to welcome our special guest to Backroom Access. Access. Tarrant County Judge Tim O'Hare, welcome back to Backroom Access. Thanks for joining me today. How are you? I'm great, Jeff. Always good to be with you. Well, Judge, first of all, uh, I haven't seen you since the election, I don't think, and I I haven't got to shake your hand and extend congratulations on on a hard-earned victory, but uh, congratulations uh, for having the top seat in Tarrant County. We look forward to many good things to come from your administration. Well, thank you. We, uh, it was a long 18 months running for the office and, uh, certainly challenging, but, uh, so happy to be in this position. So thankful for it. And it's, it truly is. You hear this a lot. People say, well, it's humbling. And a lot of times people have a different view, like, well, if you're, you're this position, you know, some people don't care. In fact, most people don't. But some people look at that and say, oh, wow, look at that position. Getting a title like this, I mean, being the county judge, the chief political executive of the third largest county in Texas, the 15th largest in America, it's just incredibly humbling. And I, I will do my best to do a great job for the people who put me here. Well, it's a tall task uh, for sure, a tall administrative task. But uh, knowing your background and knowing you as a personal friend, uh, I think you are more than up to the task. And uh, we just look forward to the good things to come from your your uh, commissioner's court. One of the things, uh, actually, there's a couple things I wanted to talk about today, and that is our previous episode we had on Tim Harden, who's the president of uh, – Texans for Fiscal Responsibility. And Tim uh-huh. came on to talk about property tax, and, and, and he and I are on the same page. Uh, property tax is theft. It's, uh, it's, it's an assault on our uh, constitutional rights to own our property, and, and you, you've heard it time and again. Uh, I've read your personal legislative priorities, and the first one that, that jumps out is property tax. And what I would like to know, kind of in general, is what your approach or what you think your approach is going to be 
to Tarrant County and our current, you know, administrative situation, budget and, and spending and, and so forth. And talk to us about your plans or your, your, your goals for, uh, you know, helping taxpayers and, and the property tax situation, because it's been quite controversial uh, over the last several years with uh, the Tarrant Appraisal District and, you know, uh, a number of things going on there. You're, you're familiar with all that. Uh, can you share with us uh, what, you, what you're looking at going forward? Sure. So, so start with this. Uh, we are overtaxed in Tarrant County and throughout the state of Texas. Our property taxes are, signif- are significant and they are simply too high. There are people literally moving out of Tarrant County because their property taxes are too high. And I said this on the campaign trail. I will continue to say it as long as I'm in office. No one should ever have to move out of the place they call home because their property taxes are too high or because they feel unsafe. So lowering property taxes and doing government's probably second most important job behind protecting your God-given rights, and that is protecting you, keeping you safe, um, those are the two things I mean, you should just never have to move out of your neighborhood or your home or the county you live in and love because of high property taxes or high crime. And when it comes to property taxes, so here, here's what I've done so far. The first day I walked in the door, I met with our budget director, gave her an index card that said, this is the tax rate I would like to see uh, with the budget you present me. Now, I'm one of five votes, but uh, I try to use my influence and the tax rate that I gave her was a 20% rate cut from the previous tax rate passed. Uh, so I put that there. I have been working on reducing spending literally from the moment I walked in the door. Uh, one of the first things I did, in fact, the very first day I walked in the door and there was a local newspaper sitting on my desk. And I, I, it had my picture on the cover and I thought somebody had dropped it off to you know say, here, save this. Uh, version of the paper. And I was told, no, you have a subscription to it in this office. So we canceled that the first day. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so that's my first savings that we, we did. Then uh, after that, we, you know, we, we took a look at all kinds of expenditures that the, that was getting put on the commissioner's court agenda from ridiculously expensive attachments to sorters during elections that you'd never get your money back on. We killed that, even though it was passed in the in the last year's budget uh, by a different court, or at least you know, two two different people. There's three new members on the court, including me. Uh, we have basically overhauled the county's travel policy. Uh, one of the third or fourth meeting we had, uh, we had some people in IT uh, on taxpayer dollars want to go to a conference in Orlando, Florida and stay in a hotel that was almost $600 a night. Uh, We killed that. And so we're not going to fund people to go take vacations on taxpayer dollars and go to exotic places and spend 600 bucks a night so they can have it be at a Disney World hotel. Uh, We have started the process of examining a homestead exemption. State law allows counties to offer up to a 20% homestead exemption and Tarrant County does not offer one. So we have started the process for looking into what kind of homestead exemption we could offer, what impact that will have on the budget. As you might can guess from knowing me, I'll be pushing for the highest homestead exemption allowed by law. 
I'm not telling folks that I think we're going to get 20% implemented the first year. It may be 10%, it may be 5%, but I think there will be something. And I think we have set an expectation and started changing the culture here where they understand we are watching the dollars like a hawk. I ask questions at pretty much every meeting. Why are we spending this? What problem are we trying to solve? How does this help us save money? Why is this needed? And we've killed several things on the agenda that, quite frankly, they're not used to seeing killed around here because they're used to just yes to almost every expenditure they want. Mm. We've been doing a lot of things. I've been in office now for it's not quite 90 days, and it's still like, I don't know, it's 80, 82 days, but we've made a lot of changes and there's a lot more to make. You don't change a spending culture overnight. You certainly don't change it in 80 days. But uh, there was a study done by the Texas Public Policy Foundation from the years 2016 to 2020. Tarrant County spending increased by over 44% during that time period, Tarrant County government spending. Four years. During that same time period, yeah, during that same time period, population growth plus inflation growth was a little over 12%. Mm-hmm. So we were almost four times the spending as the population and inflation growth. So we have to reverse that trend. And I've literally worked at that on a daily basis. And I'm, I'm encouraged with some of the things I've heard from fellow commissioners that uh, when it comes time to pass a tax rate and pass a budget, we will offer a much more significant reduction to the tax rate than anybody has seen in Tarrant County in a long time. One of the things I'm going to toss out here as maybe a curveball, but you're talking about uh, the expenses and the spending. Uh, I was talking the other day with an individual, and we were talking about the public pensions and uh, some of the programs that our our government uh, employees are on. And, of course, I came from 50 years of corporate America and corporate Europe, and uh, we had a traditional pension. They don't anymore. They're, they're all 401ks and whatnot. But, Judge, the what I see in, in our public pension programs as a part of our overall expenses is, is something that just isn't sustainable. The, the benefits keep going up. The salaries keep going up. And, and we've got good workers in our public sector. I've met many of them, and they're just amazing folks. But at some point... People need to remember, government doesn't produce one thing. They consume. That's all they do. And, and unless we have folks like you in the position that you're in, a lot of times that consumption can just run rampant. And um, people get taxed out of their homes. Uh, their utilities go crazy. I mean, you name it. And um, have, have you guys thought anything about uh, that particular corner of the uh, budget and, uh, uh, you know, looking down the road long range? Well, I can't speak for anyone else on the court. I can tell you that when it comes to pensions, so you bring somebody to a place to work and you promise them these benefits Mm -hmm. and whatever these benefits are, then I don't think it's morally right to then take something you promised them take it away. Right. And so if you say, well, this is what you're going to be if you work here, we have a great retirement system, and then you work here 20 years, and then we change it on you. I think that's the wrong way to go. Well, it, and it, it, there, you, there's it, good news. What were you going to say? Well, I was just going to say it used to be that uh, the pension was was really that 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 shiny object that you're going for because it was a good pension. The salaries 
they, they were less than desirable for many, many decades. But now right. when you take a look at, at the private sector versus the public sector, um, the private sector is falling far behind. It's and the public sector is outpacing uh, private company salaries and private company benefits. And, and, and you make an excellent point, Judge. Uh, you know, a promise made should be a promise kept. But as we're talking about property tax and we're talking about hopefully transitioning um, away from property tax and letting people truly own their own property and not be perpetual tenants of the government, perhaps in that in that same arena, uh, there should be some some studies and reviews and, and work done to take a look at what viable optional programs that that new uh, employees could be um, made part of because when I was when I was working for the corporation I worked for for many many years they finally realized hey you know these pensions they're they're long term they're not going to be sustainable so they they had an option and they it was called a, I call it cash and carry but they they would calculate the value of your pension and then say hey we'll we'll buy you out here one lump sum Take it, go invest it. It's all yours, but you won't have a check for the rest of your life once you retire. Um, and so, I'm not, you know, again, this, these are just areas that you think about and, and, and you think about the sustainability because it just, I, look, I, you've served on, on, as a mayor on city council. I've served as a council member myself, and it's so easy to go back to the public money trough and, and raise tax rates or, or, you know, get, get more money. And, um, people are really hurting and, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be 70 years old and in my lifetime, I can't remember Jeff, you things. Don't, you don't, you don't look a day over 68. And I, I mean that. Well, really. judge, I, I don't know how to thank you for that compliment. That's one of the nicest <laughs> things anybody's ever said to me, <laughs> but, but you know what I'm trying to say here. And, and, you know, there are a lot of things that uh, could be looked at and addressed. And obviously it's going to take probably more than one term to do it, but. Um, oh, well, there's no shortage of things to look at. Let me, let me, let me just give you one little example. I don't want to bore you with minutia, but so, so when you have people who are fiscally conservative in office, and the truth of the matter is everyone running as a Republican says they're fiscally conservative, and then a lot of times when you see them actually step into office, they're not what they said. Right. I think they meant they, they meant what they said. Uh, they don't really – but then when it comes to making tough choices, eh, it's something a little harder to do. But like let's say our new DA, Phil Sorrells. Mm -hmm. So Phil Sorrells has made – pretty decent number of changes in the DA's office. And when they bring somebody in new to replace someone who was there before, if they don't bring them in at the new higher rate, which don't bore you with details, but there's kind of a strange system here where you hire somebody in a certain position, there's a higher end number. If they're going to bring them in higher than the higher end number, they have to get commission court approval. So uh, our DA, Phil Sorrells, has brought several new people in where we had to approve the salary because it was over the hiring rate, but it was always under what the previous person was making. Mm -hmm. So it resulted in each position, 20, 30 plus thousand dollars of savings, and he's brought in multiple positions like this. Mm -hmm. He's thinking about it. 
It's a conscious decision for him. You know, I campaigned the whole time I was running for the county judge here had too many people in his office. I mean, there were, I think there were seven employees. Well, well, I now have four and that's plenty. I mean, we, we don't need having, uh, I'm not going to go ask for a fifth position in the next budget. There's no shortage of things to look at. There's no shortage of ways to reduce expenditures. I mentioned, I touched on a minute ago, we had a sorter, they purchased a sorter in the elections administration department two, three, four years ago. And about a month ago, they brought forth a contract to, to purchase an attachment to the sorter. And the attachment was going to cost $155,000. And what it was going to do was tear off a very small perforation so it didn't have to be done by hand. And we were told, you know, when they approached the microphone to tell us why they needed this, that it was going to save money. So I proceeded to ask questions. Please explain how it's going to save money. I was told, well, we have to pay people each year to tear these envelopes. We have to pay temp workers. I said, okay, what are we paying? Well, a busy election, it might be $3,000. Okay, so what are we paying a year? $10,000? Oh, no, that would be high. Okay, let's say it's eight. If this thing costs $155,000 and it's going to cost $8,000 uh, to hire people to do what this machine does, tell me how we're saving money because that's going to take you know, 20 years, not even counting the present value of money, not counting inflation, not counting any maintenance or any other upgrades or upkeep you got to do the thing. I mean, it's 20 years before you get your money back, mm-hmm. just dollar for dollar. And I said, so how does that save money? And what I was told was, well, I didn't say it would save money. <laughs> and literally three minutes earlier, I was told it saved money. So that failed. <laughs> it didn't pass. And what it requires, it requires somebody that's diligent in their review of the materials and that's diligent in the questions they ask. And the questions are, why do we need this? What problem we're trying to solve? Does this help us save money? And I'm not saying every single thing you buy has to help you save money. I mean, that we, we provide coffee for employees and for, you know, for some of them in certain situations. And, you know, that, that doesn't save any money. So not everything has to save money. Uh, but that should be a huge factor. Anytime there's a capital purchase, uh, anytime there's a request for a new position, okay, how does this help us save? What's this going to help us do? And it's just a mindset. Instead of just business as usual, government as usual, rubber stamp, yes, you want people that are asking tough questions. And what I have found is you want, I mean, this is universal. Republicans, Democrats, apolitical, independents, they want people watching the dollars. It's so easy not to watch them. And so, for some people, it's hard to get up there and ask questions and put people on the spot. But I think that's what that's what you're elected to do is is stand there and be a safeguard to the public against excessive spending and 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 excessive government and overregulation and all the things that we know happen. And uh, and we've done that when it comes to. So, like, there's a there's a a new employee benefits package that we're going to look at in two or three weeks, but it's all voluntary. And by that, I mean, the county's not going to pay for it. So. Here's some things that HR has gone and negotiated with private businesses on coverages that can be offered, but the county's not going to pay for it. If you want it, here it is. It's a coverage you may want. I mean, it's it's different types of coverages, hospitalization policies and um, chronic sickness policies, things like that. But it's all will be paid for by the employee out of their salary. So there's ways you can make your benefits packages more attractive. Mm-hmm. 
and provide things that don't cost the taxpayers anything. And this is one of those. But ultimately, when it comes to property taxes, I'm going to do everything I can to cut the tax rate. And I'm not talking about one of those cuts that really is a tax increase, but you get to tell everybody you cut their taxes when you didn't. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about real tax cuts Mm -hmm. and then real spending reductions. And then, but we also, you know, legislatively with this historic revenue surplus that the state has, they have the opportunity to put some measures in place that can really help us transform the property tax system in Texas. And I mean, I'm a strong supporter of any and all tax relief measures that we can provide homeowners and business owners, so long as we understand what the long-term effects are and that it's not a feel-good, sounds-good, look what I'm doing for you right now policy that's actually going to cost more money later. And there's a lot of interesting proposals out there, uh, a lot of different ideas, a lot of different bills, but this is an opportunity that Texas may not have, again, for who knows when, where they can really help people's pocketbooks. And my philosophy is we should be doing everything we can to put more money in the pockets of people, not in the pockets of government. And it's especially true at a time when our property taxes are so high, inflation is so high, and the Biden administration is just literally anything you think that should be done to help lower inflation, lower costs, they actually do the opposite. Yeah, exactly. Judge, there's a couple other points I'd like to touch on real quick. I know you're limited on time, but one of the things you've spoke out about is, is safety law and order here in Tarrant County. Can, can you talk to us for a couple quick minutes about uh, what your plans are there? Yeah, sure. So um, we recently had a reporter and please put that in quote marks um, argue on Twitter that Tarrant County Sheriff's Department basically just runs the jail and really has little to no law enforcement role. So last year, the city of Mansfield, for example, they had 1,200 arrests out of the Mansfield Police Department. Tarrant County Sheriff's Department had 8,300 arrests. So the Tarrant County Sheriff's Department takes the lead lead on a human trafficking tax force, task force, Mm -hmm. has rescued many people from sex trafficking over the last several years, including a four-year-old. It has, it's just celebrating its 30th year of having the auto crimes task force that stops car thefts and deals with car thefts. It provides law enforcement uh, services. Basically, it's the police department for all the unincorporated areas and three small cities in Tarrant County, uh, which makes it essentially the the police department, if you will, that is the third largest in the county behind Fort Worth and Arlington. Mm-hmm. It also responds as backup to every municipality with a police department in Tarrant County. Last year, they backed up 3,100 on 3,100 calls. The Tarrant County Sheriff's Department, in addition to running the jail, has a huge law enforcement presence. And we have seen over the last two, three years, whatever it's been, how men and women of law enforcement have been demonized it's made, and have been blasted and you know have just been mistreated, quite frankly. Uh, we have probably never seen law enforcement treated like this in the history of our country. Yeah. And are there some bad apples? Sure there are. 
and those bad apples should be dealt with. Mm-hmm. And they should, when they have committed crimes, they, they should be brought to justice. But by and large, uh, these folks are um, incredibly sacrificial. They literally risk their lives on a daily basis. Many of them leave their house in the morning or whenever it may be, and they don't know that they're coming back and their family doesn't either. It's very tough on families. That's right. It's very tough on their health. That's right. And we ought to support them. And in Tarrant County, we're going to support them. And in Tarrant County, we're going to give them the resources they need. You know, I, I touched on this earlier. Government's number one job is to protect your God-given rights. Its number two job is to keep its people safe, whether it's safe from thugs that run or running around creating violent crimes and doing other things, whether it's from a foreign government country, whatever it may be, that, that's government's number two job. So we're going to take that seriously. We are going to provide our law enforcement people in Tarrant County what they need. We're going to support the other law enforcement departments, uh, and we're going to build a training academy to make sure that our police force with the sheriff's department and our jailers are as well trained as they can be because in Tarrant County, Texas, law enforcement is not going to be controversial we're going to stand up for our men and women in blue who put their lives on the line every day for us. Well, that's that's great to hear, Judge. Uh, with the invasion currently underway at our southern border and with a president that is derelict in his duty as president of the United States, before the counties along the border were the border counties, but now every county is a border county. And and with the human trafficking and the illegals coming into our country, there's a lot more fraud taking place. You have recently created this election task force. Elections have been controversial from time to time, uh, not only in our, our state, but at, at a couple points uh, in Tarrant County. Can you tell me Tell the listeners a little bit about this election task force. Sure. So the election integrity task force is comprised of multiple um, law enforcement officials, uh, sheriff's deputies in the Tarrant County Sheriff's Department, some investigators in the Tarrant County Sheriff's Department, an assistant district attorney, and an investigator from the district attorney's office. Uh, it is It uses existing resources. So there's a phone number to call if you suspect any kind of election law violation. And when people hear election integrity, most people start thinking of stuffing paper ballots or cheating on votes. And and that's certainly something that we want to deter. And that's something we want people that would engage in that kind of activity or behavior to know we are coming after you. Our elections here are going to be secure. Uh, I've heard people say, well, this can intimidate voters well, I don't know how having safe and secure elections can intimidate any registered voter. Uh, I think that's hogwash. But if it intimidates people who would game the system and cheat, well, that's exactly who we want to intimidate. Right. And that's who we want right. to target. And that's who we want to put in jail. Well, uh, it's a popular cop out for those that do cheat, uh, you know, voter suppression. Um, yeah. So, uh, But what, what it does, um, Jeff, it's going to. There's a number to call. We'll go straight to the sheriff's department. An investigator will will listen to the complaint or listen to the issue. But it's it's yes, it could be mail in ballot fraud. 
It could be shenanigans at the polling places where people are not respecting the 100-foot marker or they're doing things to intimidate voters inside, inside a polling place. We had that happen uh, in the November election. It's, uh, if it's uh, an election judge that fears for their own safety, like somebody I met with in my office, she was afraid to go back the next day because of what went on in the, the location, which it should be sacred. It should be secure. It should be safe. It should be free of shenanigans. It wasn't. She feared for her safety and couldn't find who to call. They can call that number and somebody will be there quickly and respond to that. But it's also, uh, you know, it's, it's things like people not respecting the laws about when you can file to be on a ballot. Uh, recently a group met with a person who tried to get on the ballot and they were denied access, even though they showed up before the ballot was closed because they weren't the preferred choice of the party. So it's going to encompass all things. And one thing we're going to do is we're going to make sure we have safe and secure elections in Tarrant County. And we want everyone to know their election is safe and secure here. And when we get complaints, there's a number to call. It's now on the elections website here any election integrity complaints call this number they'll look at every single one of them and i know that they currently have multiple pending cases open that they're investigating some won't go anywhere uh some probably will but it's we're going to make sure people here know that we take this seriously well judge it sounds like your plate is overflowing with Real good priorities, and uh, I, for one, and I know others that will be listening to this podcast will be, uh, you know, they'll be encouraged uh, with the, what they're hearing and uh, the direction that you're taking taking things in our county. And uh, we just really appreciate your service, and, uh, you know, we're, like I said, we're familiar with you and your track record, and uh, you do have a heart for, for serving, and we just look forward to the things to come. And we'd like to invite you back on the show down the road to maybe do an update and, and see how things are progressing on some of these these items. Uh, maybe after the sessions over down in Austin, uh, we'll we'll see how many unfunded mandates they uh, pile on you. <laughs> <laughs> we, I'd be happy to come on any time, and I just want everybody to know that faith, family, and freedom are going to be celebrated in Tarrant County. Amen. Tarrant County is a place where the American dream is alive and well. Amen. Amen. Well, Judge, thank you again for taking time out of your busy schedule. We really appreciate it. And uh, you're welcome back anytime. We'll touch bases uh, down the road here. And uh, all I can say is uh, thank you. Thank you, sir. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Well, friends, Judge O'Hare has the credentials, and it sounds like he's already delivering receipts for Tarrant County taxpayers. It's especially encouraging to hear his position on property tax rates, his focus on safety, law, and order. And it's also encouraging to hear about the Election Integrity Task Force that Judge O'Hare has assembled. No doubt Sheriff Weyburn, D.A. Sorrells, and Judge O'Hare will keep this high on the priority list. Now, as I mentioned in our conversation, government doesn't produce a single thing. All it's able to do is consume, spend, And the money for that spending comes from you and me. We truly appreciate Judge O'Hare's focus on the spending and size of government as well as ways to reduce tax burdens on Tarrant County's citizens. Folks, I want to remind you of something Thomas Jefferson once said. The government you elect is the government you deserve. Now, 
It's incumbent upon each and every one of us who are registered voters to thoroughly vet our prospective employees. And I'm confident that Judge O'Hare will carry through on his priorities as much as possible. Remember, he is only one of five votes. Well, thanks again, folks, for listening in. Have a great week. And remember, be informed, be empowered, and be engaged. May God bless you, and may God bless our great state of Texas. Until next week. Thank you for listening to Backroom Access. And remember, and remember, you deserve the truth about what is happening in your government. So stay informed and be empowered so you can engage in the process. For notes from today's show or to ask Jeff a question, please visit backroomaccess.com.